Okay. Do you remember the story of Joshua and Caleb and how they looked into the promised land and there were 10 other spies and they looked into the promised land? Do you remember the report that all 12 of them brought back? Do you remember the story? Well, I I know we've relegated it to Sunday school, but bear with me. This is a biblical story that shouldn't have been relegated to to Sunday school. It's uh, an interesting story and it's a very relevant story. What happens is they come back and they report to Moses all that they've seen, apparently. Now, two of them say, you know, it's a land running with milk and honey. This promised land, this land that God's given us and is going to give us is ours for the taking. And then the others say, well, there's giants. They make us look as small as grasshoppers. We couldn't possibly take them on. We can't possibly possess that land. And unfortunately, what happened was they didn't possess the land. You remember that story pretty well. I mean, even if you're new today, you probably know that story from somewhere. I want to tell you that there are probably two types of people. And there should be three. There's two types of people that come to church Today, whether they're saved or not saved, whether they're walking with God tightly or walking with God loosely. And the first set are those that see the giants. Hope Church has a promise over them. You're a growing church, you're a church that's vibrating with the essence of revival. You can feel it leaking out of the speakers from the worship team. You can feel it leaking out of the congregation as you move around. You can feel it in the morning prayer meeting. There's revival, there's a promise over this congregation, over this ecclesia, this group of people that has renewal and revival all over it. But there's a type of person that sees giants. Oh, well, I've heard it all before. Oh, we couldn't possibly do that. The Church of Scotland down the end has got 400 people. Destiny Church has six or seven. Why would God choose us? And all they see is giants financially. We haven't got our own building. We haven't got this. We haven't got that. I don't like being around people like that too much. So all they see is problems and giants. There's another set of people who we need to be very aware of and very wary of. All they see is the milk and honey. All they see is the promises. And and we can do it. No problem. Yeah, but how about the practicality? Oh, no worries about that. Jesus has got that under control. I'm off. And there's a giant. There's a giant right next to them. And they say, well, no, no, I'm not declaring there's a giant there. I'm just going to walk on. And and guess what happens? What happens? They get hit by the giant. You see, what happened with... Joshua and Caleb was, they said there's a land running with milk and honey. There's a promised land and we can take that land. And when they heard and they said and they heard the reports from the others of the giants, said, well, hang on a minute. This is our land. We shall surely defeat the giants. My friends, we're not a group of people that are going to pretend the giants are not there. We're not a a group of people that are just going to see the giants and not see the promises. We are the people that will walk into the promises of God. Apostolic prophetic people are people that see the future and walk into that future. They're sent into that future by the power of God. You see the promises. You see the giants. What are you going to do? 
You're going to slay the giants. You're going to take what is rightfully yours. Because God has promised it. I was stood in the worship and um, the keyboard player has got a pair of trainers. I'm sure they're really trendy. Where is he? Is he around? He's waving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trendy pair of trainers. That worship musicians are all trendy, aren't they? I mean, seriously, even the contribution from obviously a singer, she looked trendy as she came forward. I mean, if I get up and sing, look at the state of me. No hair, bit fat. It doesn't work so well, does it? Anyway, it's got a pair of trainers on and they're, they're called Box Fresh. Well, I read it. <laughs> I don't know them. I read it. I've never heard of them before in my life. And I just felt the Lord say to me, you know when you buy fruit from a supermarket, it says, keep cool for freshness. And I just sensed over the worship, you guys got to keep cool for freshness. Keep cool. You know, you're going to have people saying, yeah, you're the wacky lot down in that school. Keep cool for freshness. Be still and know that I am God, but stay fresh. Keep cool for freshness. You want to be fresh. You are fresh. I'm telling you guys, this is a fresh church. This feels fresh. And despite the fact that he wears these trendy trainers that I've never heard of, I really believe God spoke through that and said, stay fresh. Keep cool for freshness. Okay. If you have a Bible, we best go and look at it, else I'll get in trouble with all those people that... Well, anyway. Let's go to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read from, we're going to read from verse 1. We, we tend to have fun in our fellowship, and um, we really sense that, you know, and we believe the word, where the presence of God is, there is fullness of joy. So it's okay to smile at me, okay? Some of our guys are just like, oh. And it's really difficult. So you smile at me. You can say amen if you want to. You can jump up and scream, Jesus is Lord. You can do anything you want, okay? But don't frown at me. Okay, Joshua 3.1. I'll read this. We're going to read the whole chapter together. Please excuse some of my pronunciations, especially the one that starts with SH. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites, carry it. You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before." But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Don't you like it when, when someone... Or, or you as a person of authority, whether it's over your children, over your work colleagues, or whether you're a leader in the church, actually say something and they do it? Isn't it wonderful when your kids actually do what they... So he says to them, 
Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass it on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, Parasites, Gigashites, Amorites, Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. That's the second time we've heard about their feet going into the water. Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. That's the third time we've seen that. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing onto dry ground. See, this is where they're crossing over into the promises of God. This is where after the 40 years of wilderness, after the ecclesia, the group of people, the church has wandered and wandered and wandered, finally Someone who believes the promise picks up the mantle, picks up the baton, and crosses over. If you take notes, and in our church we tend to take notes until the Holy Spirit really breaks out, and then everyone listens to the tape afterwards. But if you take notes, I do have five points in amongst this. Point number one is move towards the promise from verse 1. Verse 1 said, Early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before the crossing over. You see, they knew the promise. And they didn't just say, well, I know the promise and speak about the promise. They actually moved towards the promise. They set up camp. They were ready to cross over. As ready as they could be. They'd up sticks and come to that place. Spiritually, are you moving forward to where the promise is? Are you really, or is it all about your studies at university and you believing that you're here accidentally because you're studying at the university or at work here or one of those things? God has a plan. Moses spent 40 years trying to get this plan into people. Don't let it be the same with you guys. You have promises. You're going into the promised land. This is an incredible time. I mean, you only got to look at the churches all over Scotland. They're growing. The ones that really are going for God. Even in the children's lounge, they're really going for God. They're growing. Where there's life, there's growth. Unless you're a gardener, 
that plants things like me and forget to water them, there is no growth. Point number two, very important for you, especially with the type of fellowship that you are in, that you've given yourself to the call of the local church here, this expression of what God's doing in Glasgow. Point number two is follow the presence of God. Verses 3 and 4 here says, giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God. This is the presence of God they were carrying. When you see it go, uh, you are to move out from your position and follow it. You know, it could have been quite easy to, to when the overhead didn't work and, and the musicians were doing their best without anyone really being able to get the words up into the last couple of songs. It could have been easy to, to change things, even though the spirit was moving and they're looking at each other, what song should we do next? What will they know? What is it we're going to sing? You know, could have stopped. Could have done something like, let's have a coffee. <laughs> could have. But no, pushed, pushed in. And the presence of God is here now because of the pushing in you've just done. Follow the presence of God. Don't end up with, well, we don't normally do that. You know, we've got a break now. We've got a break there. We've got to do this. We've got a break. We don't normally do it. We can't. How can we do music without overhead words? Oh, what if there's a visitor? It's the presence of God. That's what it is, the presence of God. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And, and you, know, you know, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in the praise of it. He abides in the praise of his people. If you're thinking, well, I don't know if God's going to turn up, praise him. Yeah. It's a promise. It's a fact. You know from experience he's here. As you worship him, he moves. Undeniable. Incredible. Incredible God. Follow the presence of God because it says at the end of verse 4 there, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. How many of you have been in a revival before? Yes, two, three. They're not counted. (laughs) I mean, you can go and visit a revival. You can go and be part of a revival at Pensacola or Toronto and be a part caught up in that and, and really witness the presence of God. Or even now in Bethel, what's going on in Bethel? You know, you can get caught up in that. But you know, there is a promise over you and you're going to journey into revival. He's going to have to take you away you've never been before. You need to follow the presence of God, not the orders of stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Let's have a break. Stand up, sit down. Someone preaches, stand up, sit down. Last song, let's go. Coffee, gone home. Never see you until next Sunday. That's not church. It's not, is it? You know that. I'm teaching to suck eggs. We follow the presence of God. Let me tell you something about the presence of God in our fellowship as he moves. A couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, we had a situation where the worship was flowing. It was one of those days where we didn't have, this doesn't happen very often, we didn't have any technical faults. <laughs> Normally something doesn't work. We did, suddenly the worship starts and there's a flow 
and we're only into the first song and someone comes forward with a word of knowledge. We're starting the second song. Three people come forward, give their life to Christ. Two were recommitments. One was a first-time commitment. I, I'm, I'm in awe of God. He knows how bad my preaching is, so he gets them saved beforehand. I don't know why you invited me. I really don't. <laughs> but I want to tell you this there are two things and I want to encourage you with this encourage you in a right way with this there were two giants to that first time salvation the first one was her perception of church she had been brought up in a Sunday school type environment and then at the age of five or six I think mum and dad fell out with the church or something and she'd never really gone back, and her friends had never really gone back, and her perception of church was a little bit old-fashioned, probably the ones that are turning into nightclubs and pubs and stuff at the moment. So that was her first giant. So she needed a friend that would really encourage her to come along. Unfortunately, the second giant was her friend. (laughs) Because her friend actually was apologizing to her as the Holy Spirit was breaking out. She didn't even know whether to bring her because you never know what happens in that church. You never know. This never goes to order. There's never any plan. Someone speaks in tongues. Someone interprets. Someone prophesies. Someone ends up on the floor. Why would I ever take a friend there? But thank the Lord that she walked in with her friend. A little bit trembly. What am I going to do? I'm going to lose my best mate. And she gave her life to Christ before the end of the second song. But there were two giants. You know how we can mess up? Yes. We think that, you know, just because you don't know what's going to happen, you really don't know what's going to happen. That's a good thing. He's taking you somewhere where you've never been before. That's a good thing. And you know, if you get into the presence of God, which is what that situation was all about, then it's really difficult not to be saved. I think it's Randy Clark that says, you know, unless you experience God, you don't really know God. Give them the opportunity. When I was working down in Cumbria, I brought some friends along to church. And I did very similar. That's why it makes me smile. Came with his whole family. Wife, little girl. And as as the guy's starting to talk in tongues and someone's in there, I'm like, I'm ever so sorry about this. I really am sorry. I, you know, I, they say, oh, it's okay. And they'd be very nice to me. But I could see that they were a little bit out there. Then all of a sudden, the presence of God came in the worship. The guy spoke. They got saved. I was really nervous about the fact that I'd even brought them there when all this came and burst out. Maybe in my immaturity, I hadn't recognized that the presence of God, and it's God who saves. You know? You have the presence of God manifest in your meetings. You really do need to bring your friends. You really do. It's it's unbelievable. There's so many churches up and down the roads here that don't have the manifest presence of God. They don't have people singing a new song. They don't have people coming with a prophecy or a word of knowledge about someone who was attacked or someone that is going through it or someone with a bad arm. They don't have that. People are not healed. People are not saved regularly. But you're different. 
I want to introduce them to the God that saves, the God that heals, the God that speaks, not the God that's silent. Bring your friends to hope. Thank you. Affirmation from the front, best move on. <laughs> uh, so those two giants were slayed for that girl. She came, she got past her preconception of church. She got past her friend really doubting whether she should have brought her. Now, I'm not saying that she slayed the giants and she earned her salvation. What I'm saying is the labor was tougher than it should have been because of us. The new birth was a bit tough because we were a little bit reticent in bringing someone in to the presence of God. I think that's brilliant. Is that church or is that a basketball match? Oh, that's a bit of a pity, isn't it? I thought this church is really happening. I didn't see that many youth, but they're making a right racket. Soon. Soon. Point number three. Point number three is simply get ready. Get ready. In verse 5, it says here, Joshua told the people a very religious word, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. You know, your leadership team are going to say to you, my friends, we're going this way. Get ready. What are you going to do? You're going to just fold your arms and say, well, it doesn't suit me really. I've got exams all the way through January. I've got an essay to hand in at the end of June. I, I don't want to go to to the supernaturally supernatural uh, conference or whatever the thing is that's uh, going on. (laughs) Foundations for supernatural (laughs) significance. I was more interested in the newsletter in the Yummy Mummies. I thought, what? That's interesting. I've I've never seen that before. (laughs) Can I go to the Yummy Mummies? (laughs) It's okay, babe, sorry. I take you with me. So get ready, guys. Get ready. When, when your leaders call on you, when Joshua called on them, when, when Joshua told the commanders of the different tribes to go through and tell them what to do, they did it. Um, and I know you need to move in discernment, but you wouldn't be in this church if you didn't submit to the leadership of this church and you weren't caught up in the vision of this church and the awesome presence of God within this church. So guys, be, be, be generous with your leadership. If they come up with a goal, let's be ready. Amen? Okay, point number four is from verse 14. (laughs) It says, (laughs) point number four, remember to break camp and get the promise. In verse 14 it says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant, went ahead of them. It said, The people broke camp. Do you know how many people I know that set up camp next to the promise and they look across the Jordan at the promise, they never break camp. They never break into the things of God. When God starts moving, they start getting nervous. They start getting all let up. They start seeing negatives. Don't forget to break camp. And when I say break camp, I'm on about when the presence of God comes and he says, go. Oh, no, no, I'm happy looking out of my window. Across the River Jordan at the promises. How many generations have done that? We look at the promises. This is the generation that will walk in to the promises of God. The promised land. This is it. And I'm shouting. I'm sorry if that offends you. I get too excited sometimes. 
The Nigerians in our church love it. They do. I love it. I was in South Africa and I started shouting. This woman run down the front and manifest something terrible on the front. And I thought, oh my, I've really offended them from shouting. So I raised my voice a bit louder. And the elders said, don't worry, she's, she's demon possessed. She's getting deliverance. Keep shouting. Yeah. Keep shouting. Yeah, we'll have that. So I will shout. Sorry, it's, a, it's just one of those things. Remember to break camp. The presence of God moves and you move with him. Don't turn to your friend and say, this isn't church. So what church is this? This is not church. They don't even sing hymns. Come on, guys, let's get with the plan, eh? When we bring our friends, they're going to expect hymns and bells and smells and all that sort of thing. But the reality is the presence of God will catch them up. And as you go forward, the wake, you know, the waves that come off of your your boat as you plow forward in God. They'll get caught up in that and their little boats will go like this. And the prison doors will break off as the earthquake of their life happens and they'll come forward and they won't know what to do. Will they fall on their sword or fall on Christ and you'll lead them to Christ? Yeah? Not, oh, well, I'm really sorry about that. That's not how we normally have church. I don't know why that happened. Let's not be the people that look out of the window at the promise and never walk into it. Point five is simply believe the word. It often comes through people, in this case Joshua, to the people and through the commanders. that he, It does come through people. And by the way, you are people, so it can come through you. Okay, It's not just about the front row. Or the second row. Sorry if there's leaders galore along here. Um, Believe the word. Five days ago, and you'll realize as I come up with testimonies that it never seems to be about me doing anything. I seem to see it or witness it or experience it. But it always seems to be about someone else doing it. Five days ago, I dislocated my knee. Can you tell? Medically proven, my kneecap moved out. My knee went rigid straight. It's happened before on the other leg when I played football, when I was slimmer and better looking. It (laughs) moved out, and I crumpled up. I was playing in goal for our church five-a-side team. Yes, I do play football. Look at this physique. But my kneecap popped out of position, and I was in real trouble. And as you bend the knee, you lift the kneecap up and it goes back into position. Now, I was blessed because no one had to do that for me. It actually sprung back in. The following night, we had life group. Do you have home groups, small groups? What do you call them? Connect groups? Small groups? Any group you want to call it. We call them life groups because that's where the life of the church is. And uh, even though I was playing with an elder in the football team, they didn't pray for me. I don't know why, but uh, they didn't have any pity for me at all. They just laughed at me. (laughs) Because when you play in goal as a -a five-a-side, you can't really injure yourself. No one comes in contact. This happened when I was getting off the floor. So I went to life group. They laid hands on me, and they said, right, we're going to test it. What's the pain factor? One to ten. I said, it's about ten. 
I'm there, I'm limping, I couldn't get across the threshold without a helping hand. And they prayed for it, and then I was able to lift my leg a little bit. The swelling was still there. They said, what's the pain like? I said, about 9, 8 out of 10. And then they prayed again, declared healing over it. I could then bend my knee. I could then actually stand on the knee and the leg and then I could bend it like this you can't do that with a dislocated knee we've got doctors in our fellowship that said to us if it's as serious as what you said it was which the football team saw we'd have probably maybe put that in a cast or heavy, heavy bandaging didn't have any of that I still have something going on behind the knee I don't know what that's all it's almost like the skin stretched and now it's a little bit sore but actually you would never know that I dislocated my knee five days ago. Why? Because we hear the word, we believe the word, and we do the word. The church is being grown. This church is the same, where you declare the truth and you demonstrate the truth. How do people get saved? Because someone declares to them and it becomes truth to them. And they demonstrate that truth by their salvation. Amazing, isn't it? Simple. Declare it, demonstrate. So, you've had the presence of God here. You're hearing me declaring the word. We're going to finish in a minute with a demonstration of the word. Is that okay? You're on board with that? Yeah. Be a bit of a waste of time if I just preach and we go home. Well, have coffee first because I like coffee. And then go home. Wouldn't it? be rubbish I'm not inviting Rick back again that's rubbish he just spoke the word and... <laughs> okay just some foundation scriptures before we have some ministry time you'll know these scriptures but I just want to remind you of them encourage you before we pray for one another praying for our friends I mean if you're here today and you're not a Christian I want to tell you my friends that you're going to have to put your feet into the water and you're going to have to watch a way part in front of you Now, I'm not going to say it's easy becoming a Christian. I'm not going to say it's easy being a Christian. In fact, we're promised a whole lot of things that don't look very easy at all. However, I want to say it's the greatest thing in the world. Being a Christian is one of the greatest things in the world. And and it helps me to not ignore the situation. It helps me to raise my head up above it. You know, you get letters in that say, you owe this. But with Christ, he lifts my head. And you're above the situation. God does that. You don't ignore it. You don't put it in the cupboard and pretend the bills are going to go away. But you raise your head up so that you can smile without it being hypocritical. Oh, look at me. I'm at church. Not hypocritical, but because God is in your life. Yes, I have issues. Yes, there's things going on. Yes, I'm not perfect in my own flesh. But he's made me perfect. He's robed me in the robes of righteousness. He's the father that when he saw me turn to him, if you're unsaved, you just need to turn to him. He ran when he saw me from afar off. He ran to me. God's here. And wherever you are in your Christian walk or outside of a Christian walk, if you feel a little bit nowhere, just turn to the father. In your heart, turn to him and he will run to you. Put a ring on your finger, embrace you, kiss you, put a robe on you, call you son, call you daughter. It's true. It's true. I know because it was me. 
And many of you will say exactly the same thing. Okay, John 10, 37, you can write these down. It'll be really hard to follow this as I go through, but you know these. Jesus came to do the works of the Father. 1 John 3, 8 says to destroy the works of the devil. I often used to think, you know when it says in the Bible, and we used to sing it a long time ago, we are more than conquerors. No, no. Do you know it? No. Gee, I'm I'm old. I don't want to be. <laughs> but I used to wonder, how can we be more than conquerors? As conqueror, how can we be more than a conqueror? Well, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, the works of the enemy. Not didn't come to destroy the enemy, come to destroy the works. So you can be assured that when you take him on, you're going to win. Because you're in the victory of Jesus Christ. And so you're not just a conqueror. It's all been done before. So you're more than a conqueror. Just walk in that truth. Walk in that victory. When you see the giants, he has disarmed the enemy. Disarmed the enemy. The enemy's still there. The enemy wasn't there. You wouldn't have any testimony. He just wants you to walk it. And then you bring testimony. And people out, other people walk it. And they bring testimony. Way! Before you know it, you've got a church full of people that are praising and testifying to the wonders of God. Destroyed the works of the evil one. The evil one is still there. You still need to see those giants. Don't pretend they're not there. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout all the villages declaring the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and illness, What did he do? He declared the kingdom. He declared. And then what did he do? He healed. Declared and demonstrated the good news. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went throughout proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. Declared and demonstrated. Matthew 10.7, when he sent in the twelve, as you go, proclaim the kingdom has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Drive out demons. Proclaim. And do. Declare. Demonstrate. Easy, isn't it? Yeah, it's easy for Jesus. I don't know if it's easy for me. Send in the 72 in Luke 10, 9. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom has come near. The kingdom of God on earth. You carry the kingdom. You carry God. You're a living stone. You come together. Living stones together. You carry the presence of God. And where you go, his presence go. And where there's darkness, you shine light. Do you believe it? You're sort of smiling at me. Some nods. There's about five of you that really do believe it. Jesus came as the light of the world. And then he called us to be light and salt. He passed the baton on. All authority has been given to me, now you go. And you will do these things. You've probably heard this lots of times. And more. Some of us need to start with the doing the things. The things that Jesus did. Let's just do the things that Jesus did. And then we'll do more. Let's start where it starts. Doing the things of Jesus. And the most important scripture to me in this whole story is that as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. 
So all the things that Jesus did, and he did the works of the Father, Jesus declares that as the Father sent me, I am sending you. You. Absolutely you. Are you ready? They crossed the Jordan. They crossed the Jordan. Yeah! Where did they cross the Jordan? Oh, you need to have a look at that scripture. Opposite Jericho. Opposite Jericho. Oh, well, that's not such a big yay. Opposite Jericho. Jericho was fortified with no one coming in and out because of the Israelites. That was the end. They crossed over in front of the enemy. They didn't pretend the enemy wasn't there. They didn't let the enemy intimidate them. They crossed over in front of Jericho. You need to know, my friends, before I leave, that you have promises in your life. Promises in your life. Some of you have had prophecies over your life that have not come to pass. Wave your hand in the air if you've had prophecies over your life that have yet to come to pass. There's a lot of promises here. And how many of you keep a hold of these promises? You, you write them down or you've got them somewhere in a book or you just remember them. You, yeah, go on, lift that hand, lift that hand. Let's show the enemy that we know what our promises are. Because unless we go after our promises, we are people of potential, not people of promises. We only have the potential. See, the enemy doesn't know the beginning from the end. God does. The enemy's not omnipresent, only God. He's all around us. The devil's not. Don't make him bigger than what he is. He knows your potential. That's why he gives you such a hard time, tries to rob you of your joy. But he doesn't know your promises the way you know them. And he doesn't know the end from the beginning. He just puts giants in the way. So that you can slay them and bring all the glory to God. Just as God determined it to happen. They're not there accidentally. Woe is me. You don't know what it's like for me. They're not there accidentally. They're there so that you can give testimony of how God... The God who is alive, the God of breakthrough, the God that parted the sea, that parted the river, the God that saved a sinner like me. You know, I say this really stupid phrase, and my kids take the mickey out of me, but it's absolutely true, that I'm glad the devil's mad, he lost the lad he thought he had. (laughs) He thought he had me. On drugs and drink and a high living that ended up with me having no living. He thought he had me. He thought he had me. I was going nowhere. In fact, the amount that I was doing drugs, although it was never heroin, but it was the next step down, was borderline suicide. It was ridiculous. But I'm glad the devil's mad. He lost the lad he thought he had. Because I can proclaim to you that that giant slayed. That those giants have been defeated in Jesus' name. And today I can stand before you as a leader of a church. 
That's why the giants were there, so I could proclaim to you guys at Hope and say, Hey guys, look what God's done. Declare the good news of the kingdom. Without the kingdom of God, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive. I declare it. Never going to demonstrate it. You with me? Come on, stand to our feet, guys.